Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. How you guys doing? Good, okay, okay, good stuff. It's a lot going on right now. It's a whole lot going on. I just, I feel like I've been feeling the weight of everything going on all day today. Has anybody been feeling that? There's just, I don't, you know, personal life stuff. Um, lost, lost somebody I know yesterday. Um, you got the Taliban taking over Afghanistan, terrorizing people and persecuting the church. Has anybody, have you guys heard about that going on? It's real, man. Um, That's why even, you know, as my lovely wife was just saying, man, just us having the privilege to gather, sometimes we take that for granted. And I remember, man, plenty of times, you know, I feel like God had to kind of reveal that to me. You know, you, especially when I was first kind of coming around to church, just still in such a consumer mindset that it's just like, if it didn't go exactly how I wanted it to go, I was like, eh, I mean, tonight was like, all right. But the reality is, you know, God started revealing to me uh, just the freedom that we have. You know, there are some people, and I think that's just a lesson in life. You know, sometimes we are really ungrateful for what we have, and there's somebody who is praying for what you have right now. Praying earnestly, desperately desiring what you have that you're not content with. So just the freedom to have a church experience like this, man, there are so many of us who are discontent, you know, with certain things in church and no church is going to be perfect. But let me tell you, <laughs> an imperfect church, I feel like is, is better than no church at all. One, Jesus said we would never have a perfect church, but also I would rather have an imperfect church that I have freedom in than be in a situation where I'm being heavily persecuted, which is happening with our brothers and sisters all around the world. And so I just wanted to remind us of that, uh, to sometimes feel the weight of that, the privilege that you have, because the scriptures tell us, uh, you know, even if you look in the book of James, he talks about those who are rich among you. And I know many of us, you don't feel like that's talking about you. You don't think that's talking about you because you can't buy everything that you want to buy. But the reality is in the grand scheme of things across the entire planet, Jesus is talking about you, most likely if you sitting in this room, in comparison to most people who are on the planet and the, the freedoms and the liberties and the luxuries that you have here uh, are far greater than what many people have. And how many of you guys know who, to whom much is given, much is required. So there's a responsibility that we have with the freedom that we have. And so I do believe that, that, that Jesus desires for those of us who have a certain level of freedom, a certain level of luxury, to carry that with a certain level of gratitude and enthusiasm. Because we can walk around just like, eh, blah, about everything. And somebody's looking at our lives like we have everything they, they wanted. And if they just had what we have, they could be content. And so I think it's a healthy reminder. I'm reminding you right now, maybe you needed that reminder, but I encourage you to remind yourself 
on a daily basis to be grateful for what you have and to walk with gratitude and with enthusiasm. Amen? Okay. With that being said, I think it's very important. Scripture also tells us to pray for everyone. So it talks about all the believers and praying for all the believers and praying for the church. That needs to be happening. Keep in mind the people who are suffering for the name of Jesus across the globe. And most of us, we're just inconvenienced by it sometimes. But the reality is some people are really going through some difficult things and could use your prayers. We have missionaries who are, who are connected to this church who are overseas facing uh, persecution and all types of things. And so it's good to remind ourselves sometimes, man, I need to be praying for these people, not just complaining to God about, you know, getting me a job <laughs> or a better job, a new job, a higher paying job. But man, sometimes thinking about other people, right? Which brings us to the topic of tonight. We've been in this series called, Is It Healthy? Who's been here for the whole series? Okay. Who was just here for one of the messages? Okay. That means somebody heard it and was like, I'm not coming to the next one. That's cool. That's cool. I'm not mad at it. Uh, but the reality is we need to do a health checkup a lot of times in our lives in some really important areas. And we've been talking about some key areas that I believe are really key for the young adult, because that's what we're doing here. We are the young adult ministry of Victory Church. And so that's why we're talking about some of these hot topics that we have to make decisions about in our young adult years from a young adult perspective. And we talked about partying drinking, smoking. We talked about that the first week. I think that was a fun message. The next week, man, we talked about entertainment. Is it healthy what you're watching and listening to? How many made any changes after hearing that? Anybody make any adjustments to your life? Because we learned that a lot of us are spending time on things that just give us nothing in return. Just spending hours and hours and hours and days and 2,055 Ah, 555, I can't even think of the number. 2,555 hours per year is what the average person spends in front of their phone or on some type of digital entertainment. We talked about the fact that, man, that could be so much more wisely invested. Tonight, I want to talk about, as I was just talking about thinking about other people, tonight I want to talk about the health how healthy is your approach to relationships? That's what we want to talk about tonight. And so, man, who's ready for a little health check? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I don't know. This is not what I signed up for. Before we dive in, I do have a couple questions I don't want to ask you guys, but I just want to pray for us. Um, man, just with everything going on, with the sensitivity of the subject, with all the different situations that we find ourselves in. I want us to pray, and you guys know the drill, man. I want you guys to pray for yourselves and pray for each other while I'm praying, because this is, this is something we are doing together. So not just listening to me pray for you, but there's power in agreement, there's power in us praying together. And so I want you to pray for yourself and for the people around you that we will get something out of tonight that we will learn something as we open up God's word, that we will hear truth that transforms us. So let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much for this time, Lord. We thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that we are alive today, breath in our lungs, blood in our veins, God, able to hear from you, engage with you, engage with other people. Lord, we know that our life is a gift. Lord, and so we take this time to give this time back to you, Lord. Everything that we give to you is the best investment that we could make. So, Lord, we pray that you would just give us what you want to say to us tonight, Lord. Lord, would you speak to individual hearts in this room, Lord, and to us as a collective? Lord, I pray that you would give us vision for our lives. Lord, I pray that you would align us with your heart, align us with your will. Lord, bring us into your perfect plan. Lord, we posture ourselves before you humbly and open our hearts and say, do your work. If some surgery needs to be done, God, we know that we are in the best hands. Have your way, Lord. Let your truth prevail and guide us in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in order to gauge the temperature, I have a couple questions I want to ask you. You guys know we did this last week if you were here. We're going to put up a little QR code right now. And if you will scan this QR code, it will take you to a couple questions that we want to ask. Make sure you get in on this because it's the only time we're putting up the QR code. And I know some of you guys were lazy last week and you were like, oh, man, I want to answer the questions, but it's too late. Oh, it disappeared. Maybe put it. Yeah, there we go. Boom. All right. Oh, it was the wrong one before. Sorry. They, yeah, it was the wrong one before. So this is the right one now. So the first question, and you can leave up the QR code for right now while I ask this question so that everybody makes sure that they're seeing the right thing. The first question is, what is your romantic relationship status? I'm curious. I just want to know. Humor me. Just, I just want to know who I'm talking to. I want to know what's going on in here. If you're online, please please scan the QR code. We want to know your answers as well. So the first question is, what is your romantic relationship status? Let's, let's put up the results. It's A, single, B, dating. Oh, snap. Okay, it's starting to change. There we go. I was about to say 100% single. Wow. We are in a different situation than I thought. Is this Bumble or is this Fusion? Okay. Um, single, dating. In an undefined situation. A little situationship. Married and divorced. I was just curious as to who we, who we have in here. Okay. So majority, overwhelming majority of us are single. Some of y'all are dating, 20%. 9.3% of you are in an undefined situation. You don't know what's going on. But something's happening, you just can't put your finger on it. And then 7% of you are married. Hallelujah. There we go. <laughs> I'm glad my wife still says hallelujah after the word marriage. Okay. That's good to know. The second question is, are you content with your current relationship status? I just want to know. And there's only two answers to this. One is yes, the other is no. So please answer this question. I would love to know, are you content with your current relationship status? 61%, oh, it's dropping. Okay, it's hovering. 59, 60%, okay, about 60, 40. 60, yes, 40%, no. 40% of you are discontent with your current romantic relationship status. Okay, 
That's real. These are things we need to know before we have these conversations. And it's important for you to have in mind as we're talking about these things. I got two more questions for you, though. All right. So the next question is, do you think you have a good selection process for your relationships? You feel like you're good at choosing people. But this question, I actually I want I want I want to branch this out outside of just romantic relationships. What about just relationships as a whole? Does that change anybody's answer? Like you feel like you're good at picking friends, but not good at picking boyfriends or girlfriends. It, does that change anything? Are you just your relationships? Like who you link up with, period. Do you feel like you have a good selection process? 65% of you say yes. Okay. 33% though are like, nah, help me out. <laughs> help me. <laughs> the last question before we dive in is, do you feel like you have a history of healthy friendships? Talk to me. Do you feel like you have a history of healthy friendships? I just want to know. I'm curious. This is important. Y'all are real 60-40 tonight. Okay. Okay, about 60-40, feeling like you have a history of healthy friendships. Okay. Good to know. Now I got a little bit of the temperature of what's going on. Um, tonight, as I mentioned, I want to talk about not just relationships, but I want to talk about you. Say my. my. Approach to relationships. Yes, you're in particular, you as an individual, how you approach relationships. I don't want to just give generic relationship advice, but we want to talk about how you approach relationships because this is one of the most important areas of your life. One of the first things that God created with humanity is relationship. God created man gave him some work to do, and then was like, all right. It's not good for him to be alone. And I wonder, why would God say that? Well, right before that, when God was about to form mankind, he said, let us form mankind in our image. God's speaking to us that God exists in community. God exists in relationship. Throughout the rest of scripture, with, whatever, with everything that God lays out, we come to the conclusion that God exists in what we describe as the Trinity. Because he's revealed himself in the, in the person of the Father, in the person of the Son, and in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so God has revealed himself to humanity as a God who exists in relationship. So when he, when he creates mankind to exist in his image and with his likeness, how is that going to thrive without one of the key components, which is relationship? It can't. So that's why God immediately created relationship. And he didn't just create marriage, though that was very important, but in creating uh, the, the partner, he created the wife for Adam, which then gave them the ability to procreate, 
which then created family and family dynamics. It created sons, daughters, cousins, nieces, nephews, uncles, aunties, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, grandfathers, friends. And then these people, if they're going to advance the human race and be fruitful and multiply, well, relationship has to exist. And these people are going to have to get together and they're going to have to procreate. Right. And so that's what then created this whole thing that we got going on now, which is we're all existing with all kinds of relationships in our lives. And so how you approach these relationships is very, very important to the health of your life. And I would say it's super important to how healthy you are as a disciple of Jesus, because it's just built into the gospel that you interact with people. God created you to interact with people. God created you to impact people. God created you to have an influence on people around you. That is why he created you. If nobody else existed and it was just you, what impact could you have? Who would you impact? The ocean? You wouldn't impact anybody, but God created you with a plan for you to impact other people in a particular way. So how you engage with these people is so important. And remember, the primary way that God wants you to impact people is to be an accurate reflection of who he is to them in a way that that person needs to see, because there's going to be a certain group of people that I connect with, right? And then there's going to be a different type of people that you connect with. And we are all called to all these different types of people. And so throughout our entire lives, all the people that we run into are people that we were supposed to run into. But how we engage in those relationships is so important. Because those relationships can either trip us up and get us off track, or those relationships can accomplish what God intended for them to accomplish, which is for you to flourish in him and for other people to flourish in him. So it's so important that we value relationships, and especially as Christians, but many of us I don't think we're asking all the right questions when it comes to gauging our relationships. I think we ask, you know, does this feel good? I think we ask, does this make me look good? Is it good enough? Is this convenient? Is this what I've imagined? What I've decided I wanted? But I think the question we need to be asking is, is it healthy? Is it healthy? In Romans 12, uh, four through five, I, I was praying about this and I was like, all right, God, I feel like I have all these different ideas in my head, different directions that we can go. What is your heart about this? And in all seriousness, Romans 12, five came to my mind. And uh, I'll say Romans 12, Four through five is this. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ 
and individually members of one another. Now, I didn't know what that scripture said when the, when the chapter and verse came to my mind, but I was like, oh, wow, that's really clear. Side note, God will speak to you when you make space for him and when you ask him. I literally asked God, what's your heart for this? As we're talking about relationships, Romans 12, 5. Oh, okay, I opened the Bible and is literally talking about being in relationship and how we are individually members of one body. So it's so important that we live in harmony with each other. Somebody got it. Uh, this is a part of a body. The head is a part of the body. The leg is a part of the body. You are a part of a greater purpose. You are part of a greater vision. The calling on your life requires other people. You can't accomplish your purpose. You can't live out your calling alone. It requires other people. So how you engage with other people, the Bible talks so much about it. But how many of us are really reading the Bible for how to interact with other people? And this is why my first point is you need to pray for God to guide you in your relationships. How many of us are praying this prayer? Pray for God to guide you in your relationships. God wants to guide you in everything. It's so important that you pray that he guides you in your relationships. Because when you don't, then you guide you in your relationships. Or Instagram guides you in your relationships. Or television guides you in your relationships. Or your uncle guides you in your relationships. Or whoever else you listen to. Kevin Samuels guides you in your relationships. Oh, wow, y'all really listen to Kevin Samuels. Um, it's real, though, because we are hungry for information on how to have healthy relationships. And so people are selling this stuff to you nonstop. My question is, what is the criteria that you require? What are the credentials that you require for someone to be able to guide you? I'm wondering why we are listening to people who have no credentials of a healthy relationship. Why are we letting them guide us in how to approach relationships? And I'm not saying that nobody has anything reasonable to say. What I'm saying is you need God to guide you in your relationships. Because people will sell you advice all day, not care whether it ever works for you because they're building their own business, building their own platform off of your attention. Remember, we talked about this. Entertainment, right? It's just keeping your attention. You know a great way to keep people's attention? Talk about relationships. People love it. Eat it up. But the question is, why are we giving our attention to people who cannot ultimately give us capital T truth, 100% foolproof answers? God wants to guide you. I want to look at uh, Matthew 11, verses 29 through 30. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Many of us don't know what a yoke is, but a yoke is pretty much a big wooden block with holes in it that your neck go through, typically used for cattle, right? The yoke goes on them and then they are guided in their work. Jesus is using this as an example. In his day, rabbis used to use this as an analogy for teaching. Each rabbi's teaching was considered a yoke. And Jesus is saying, take my teaching upon you because it's easy. And the burden that you'll be carrying, because, because oxen were carrying a burden that they were yoked to and they were plowing fields and stuff, right? They're carrying this burden Jesus is saying, my burden is light. What I want you to carry, I really do the heavy lifting, right? Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is about guidance. Jesus is saying he wants to guide you in every area of your life, and you'll actually find rest for your souls. So Jesus does have a yoke to put on us, but it is easy, A lot of these other yokes that people are trying to put on you are difficult and they lead to destruction. I want marriage advice from someone with a healthy, vibrant marriage. But you know what? Most people who have healthy, vibrant marriages aren't spending all their time on social media saying, hey, look at me, listen to me, look at me, listen to me. I wanna tell you something about this and I wanna tell you something about that and let me tell you something about your boyfriend and let me tell you something about your girlfriend. It takes a real calling and sacrifice for someone who is flourishing in an area to take their time out to give you advice on how you can flourish too. That takes somebody with a real burden for other people, caring about other people. But a lot of people will sell you on something just because they can get your attention and build something for themselves based on it. This is why we have to be so vigilant with who we allow to teach us because we're taking yokes upon ourselves. We are. A lot of the things that you are listening to, if it is not Jesus, it's putting a yoke on you and you don't even realize it. You will make adjustments to how you live your life. You'll make adjustments to how you dress. You'll make adjustments to how you post. You'll make adjustments to where you go. You'll make adjustments to who you engage with based on the yoke you're taking upon yourself. So there are some people saying, hey, in order to get attention, you need to dress like this, show a little more skin, right? That's a yoke you're taking upon yourself. And where is it leading you? I don't know anyone who decided, you know what? I'm going to be a little bit more seductive and then found a healthy, vibrant marriage in the midst of it. You know what? I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a be a little bit more, more seductive and, you know, put a little more bait out there. Right? I don't know anybody who put out lust bait 
and reaped love and discipleship and discipline and health. On the other side, right? I don't see many, I'll I'll say guys right now, right? I don't see many guys because there's this whole thing about, man, you gotta be a high value man that many of us are buying into, right? I don't know anybody who put out money bait and like reeled in a wholesome wife (laughs) who wants to take care of home and love them for them and really build with them. No, you put out a particular type of bait. Who's gonna bite that? Think about it. You want somebody who's really sold out for Jesus, but all the bait you put out is somebody who has sold their soul to the devil. Think about this for real, because these aren't just one-liners. It's, this is how many of us are really living life, and, and we're not putting it together. There was so long that I didn't put it together. Just the dating world is a mess. I, let me tell you, I'm not trying to come down on you. Dating is difficult. The dating world is challenging because God didn't create any of this that we're doing. A few people believe that, but the reality is For most of humanity's existence, this isn't how it's been going. We've just experienced the destruction of the family unit, which has really had all types of fallout because we don't have guidance, we don't have family support, and so everybody's out here trying to fend for themselves, doing things on their own. That's what's created this dating culture uh, this hypersexualized culture where everything is just all over the place. God, you think Adam and Eve like was going on dates and like, you know what, I, I kind of like you, but I don't know, I still want to entertain my options. <laughs> Adam didn't have that struggle. And a lot of people didn't have that struggle. Arranged marriage is still a thing all over the world. It works out, well, I think it works out pretty well for people. The divorce rate is low, but also in those cultures, it's really taboo to divorce. So I'm not saying everybody's happy. I still think that we need Jesus in the center of everything that we're doing in order to be vibrant and to thrive. But I'm just saying we need God to guide us in how we approach relationships. And so to follow Jesus is to be under his yoke. We've established that to be led by him in his field, doing life his way. So then I want us to look at this other passage of scripture that many of us have heard, but I don't know if we've been super familiar with in terms of what it really means. Second Corinthians 6, 14 through 16 says, do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. Has anybody heard that? Don't be unequally yoked. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does the light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial, which is another name for Satan? 
Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement, Paul's trying to explain it. He's like, he's asking, like, make it make sense. And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. And so if, if the scripture is telling us, do not be yoked together with those who do not believe, then he's telling us, God is telling us he expects us to do life with people who are under the same yoke. What does that mean? God expects you to do life with people who are on the same path, going the same direction. Friendships, romantic relationships, business partnerships. Who are you doing life with, linked up with, and especially marriage? Yoked together, going the same path, the same direction. The people you surround yourself with, are they on the same path, going the same direction as you? Or maybe it's on the other side. Maybe, maybe you hanging around people who are really trying to go after Jesus and you're not. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. We need to be going on the same path in the same direction. This doesn't mean we all act the same, look the same, think the same, are the same. In fact, it just means we're unified. And I, I found this quote. It says, unity is not everyone doing the same thing. Unity is everyone doing different things in the same direction. That's the kingdom of God. We all have different callings, different giftings, different talents, different perspectives and ways of thinking, but we're all going the same direction, using these things to advance the kingdom. So Jesus is teaching us not to enter into significant relationships with people who are unbelievers. So then you say, well, does that mean I can only have friends in church? Does that mean I can only talk to people who are in church? Does that mean I shun the rest of the world? Let me explain to you how this plays out in my life. So I have plenty of associates and casual friends who are not believers. And I love them. I value those people. Coworkers, former coworkers, former friends, plenty of amazing relationships, family members. However, I don't have deep friendships with those people. Deep friendship implies that we are on the same journey, supporting each other on that journey, being transparent, being vulnerable, relying on each other in that journey. And we are coming together to unify because we're going in the same direction. So that means I could call you when I'm thinking about something, when I'm going through something, I can rely on a deep friendship. But if I'm living my life to serve God and advance his kingdom, to know Jesus Christ more and more and to advance his kingdom, how can you help me on that journey? If you don't know anything about it, if you don't care anything about it, how can you help me on that journey? We can't help each other because we're not going the same direction, but we can associate with each other, right? I can check in on you. Hey, man, how are you doing? We can have conversations. It's not a thing. I have a lot of people I work out with, all those things. But there's a certain level of relationship 
that I'm going to have. Even Jesus, Jesus had different levels of relationship. And I think that when we get that revelation in our lives, when we understand how to follow Jesus, not just like put our culture saturated ideas on top of what we think Jesus might do in this situation. When we follow what he did, Jesus had levels of relationship. He had his best friends, Peter, James, John, closest people to him. He took them to things that he didn't take the other 12 to. They saw things that the other 12 didn't see. He relied on them in a different way, exposed different things to them, revealed himself in a deeper way to them, but still loved the 12, still had the 12. Then there were another 72. Then there were the thousands of people who listened to him, who followed him, who went and evangelized, right? And then it also says, that he reclined at the table with sinners, with tax collectors, all these things. Jesus associated with different people, but who he deeply connected with and really relied on and invested time in were the people that were aligned with the journey he was taking. Because them sinners and tax collectors and people, they weren't there in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is making a difficult decision and he's sweating blood and he's grieving and he's asking his friends to pray for him. What are these other people going to help him with in that moment? You need people for your Gethsemane moments. You need people for when you're challenged. And if you have the wrong people in those moments, they're going to be like, bro, get up out of Gethsemane. What you doing this crucifixion for? Bro, we can sneak you out the back to have you in Egypt somewhere because they don't have the things of God in mind, but the things of man. And so when you're on a journey to know God, to please God, you need people who are yoked with you who have the things of God in mind. And many of us are not where God is really trying to take us because we keep yoking ourselves to people who are trying to go the other way. And so you're yoked going to the club. Huh? not realizing that the enemy just wants you stagnant, wants you stagnant. If he could get you just yoked with somebody sitting still, not going anywhere, smoking all day, he'll get you yoked up right with them and you defend it till the cows come home and never went anywhere. Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. You may not even understand everything that I'm trying to share with you, but watch where I take you. But you need the right people around. You need to pray for God to guide you in your relationships and to put the right people around you who he's guiding as well. So then what does it mean to be a believer, right? Because this person who seems to always be trying to Sin says they believe in Jesus. The Bible talks about that too. Belief in Christ is not just a statement, it's a lifestyle. Belief in Christ is not just a statement, it's a lifestyle. So just because somebody says, you know what, I believe in Jesus, that does not mean you yoke yourself together with them. Where are they going? What are they doing? How are they living? 
Are they living like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, wanting to please God? 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13, Paul says something interesting. He says, I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. He's talking to the church in, in the city of Corinth. He wrote them a letter talking about these things, and he wants to clarify some things. I did not mean the immoral people of this world or the greedy and swindlers and I, or, or idolaters. Otherwise, you would have to leave the world. I wasn't telling you to never associate with a sinner because then you would have to leave the planet. But actually, I wrote you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister in Christ and is sexually immoral or greedy an idolater, verbally abusive, a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside? God judges outsiders. Remove the evil person from among you. Now, some of the challenges that we've seen is that historically, We've seen tradition and self-righteousness manipulate passages like this and lead to legalism and this idea of I'm holy and you're not. And we get this term holier than thou and all this stuff. Look, Jesus is saying there is a healthy way to follow him, to follow his commandments, to seek to be holy in his sight and to keep yourself set apart to keep your relationships in the same direction, on the same path, and not be a hypocrite or self-righteous or any of those things by not associating with certain people. And it's based on the concept of, look, we're trying to go this direction. If you're not trying to go this direction, you can't go with us because you keep trying to take the exits and we're trying to keep going. Maybe that's for the person next to you, maybe it's for you. But the reality is we have to examine ourselves, right? It's not just about don't associate with the greedy, don't be the greedy person. This is why we have to be evaluating these things. Do you ever think about being greedy? Like. God put in his word, don't even eat with a greedy person. And yet somebody is telling you that you need to focus your whole life on getting a bag. And Jesus wants you to be rich. And that's what you need to focus your time on. And whenever you look at those people's lifestyles, they get progressively more and more and more unlike Christ, more like the world. They're going a different direction. And I'm not here to say that Jesus doesn't want you to be rich. I'm not saying that Jesus wants you to be poor. I don't know what Jesus wants for you as an individual, but you need to find out as you are following him. Because the reality is, there are certain things that Jesus wants for each and every one of us, and there are certain things that are for one person that's just not for you. It's just not your life and that's okay. But you can spend, you, you may be called 
to make a median income for the rest of your life and be perfectly content in that. But somebody's telling you that if you're not rich, then that's not okay. So then you spend your whole life off track trying to get to what somebody else wants. And that's not even you for real. You may be called to be with a, you may really want to be with a particular type of person, hang with a particular crowd, marry a particular type of person, but culture is telling you that that's not cool. I believe that God, if you desire to be married, right? I believe that God wants you to marry the type of person that you want to be with. The person who's your type. I don't believe this stuff about God's going to bring you somebody who's not your type that you don't like. What part of the game is that? I have to sign up to be with somebody for the rest of my life that I don't like? No. Nah. I've never subscribed to that. You think Adam, like God presented Eve before? You think God went through all the trouble to put Adam to sleep, take his rib out, form Eve, present her to Adam for him to be like, I mean, I guess. I don't think so. However, I also don't think that God designed Eve to look just how society says she should have looked. Pray for God to guide you in your relationships. One of the most important things that I think when you're talking about approaching the dating space is allowing God to do the work on your heart to figure out who you are for real, like outside of being tainted by sin and foolishness and mess that you've gotten yourself into. Because sin and foolishness and mess you've gotten yourself into will have you ready to settle for one thing or will have you desiring the wrong thing where it's like, well, I just gotta settle for this because of what I've gotten myself into. Or I want this because this is what everybody thinks is cool. So if I show up with this type of girl or this type of guy, then it's gonna look great on my image, but then you're miserable at home because you don't like that person and they don't really like you. But then y'all post on IG in the Bahamas, like everything's great. And y'all booking trips just to find stuff to do so you don't have to talk to each other. This is the reality of what many people are facing because we're not guided by God in our approach to relationships. Don't be fooled by what you see and let what somebody has in their life be their business. What God has for you is for you. Some people get married at 18. Some people get married at 25, 30, 40, 50, 60. Some people don't get married. God has a plan for each and every person that is designed for you. And your plan, the, God, the plan that God has for you is not to torment you or torture you for your whole life. God loves you. He didn't create you just to keep you from what you want your whole life. That's not God's desire for you. He said that he came so that you would have life more abundantly. 
but we have to allow him to enter these areas of our heart and work on us. Some of our preferences are off. Like God is like, I'm not bringing you anybody because you don't even know how to recognize what I'm bringing you because you still think you want somebody who looks like this just because you saw it in a picture. And you would have never wanted that if you didn't see that. Or if that person you looked up to didn't say, hey, this is what you need. You need a girl who looks like this. You need a guy who looks like this. You need a guy who does this. Who's telling you that? Who's guiding you? Whose yoke are you taking on in your selection process? One of the things I had to do in the dating phase was God help me to remove the desires that came from wrong places. Some of y'all don't want somebody who's nice because something excites you about dysfunction. Like something about dysfunction excites you. And you're like, I don't know, man, this person's a little too nice for me. And dysfunction will have you as a single parent. I'm, I'm being real because these are real situations, but nobody talks about the end result. Nobody talks about the end result. We're excited by dysfunction and then wonder why it breeds dysfunction in our lives. It doesn't make sense, it doesn't add up. We need God to guide us in our relationships, in our friendships. Who you're hanging around is so important. You don't think God wants to guide you in that? Man, God wants, how many of us are praying for God to bring healthy friendships around? Good, that's what we need to be doing. And then taking advantage of the opportunities that God sends. All right. I want to skip down to um, this piece right here. When we're, uh, specifically, as we're talking about dating, I want to make sure I hit this, this part. The church, capital C church, some of y'all not going to like this. The church is your pool of candidates. Stop looking outside of Christianity to find a Christian spouse. Please. And I don't mean just victory, church, though we have a lot of good people here. Yeah, a lot of y'all are single. That's true. Yeah, that's, that is what the, what the poll said. Um, I just saw the little QR code up there. Side note, <laughs> we put that up there because we want to hear your questions just about the whole series. Side note, if you scan that QR code and you have any questions about what I'm talking about or what we have talked about, uh, we want to hear your questions and then address that at a later time. Back to what I was saying. The church is your pool of candidates. How many of us are saying, I'm not trying to find somebody at church, but you a Christian and you want a Christian, but you're not looking in the body of Christ. 
make it make sense. <laughs> this person who says they're spiritual and they don't go to, they don't go to church right now, but they grew up in church, but they're just spiritual. But they would think, they would consider coming to church, then next thing you know, you didn't bring them anywhere, they're just bringing you where they go. Don't yoke yourself with unbelievers. God has a plan for your life that he wants to connect you with somebody who's connected to him to accomplish. All these things matter, especially when we're considering romantic relationships. Yes, I believe God wants to connect you with somebody that you like, but the foundation is that they are a part of his church. That is not the sole requirement. Hear me. Just because they, they might love Jesus with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, but you're not interested, and that's okay. Just because they're saved does not make them your spouse. And that's okay. But that needs to be the starting point. Like, if you haven't met that requirement, we don't go any further. I don't even look at anything else. You're not in the pool of candidates. You just don't even get considered. You can't submit an application. <laughs> Same goes. If, if, if you are not trying to follow Jesus, don't be trying to date anybody in here who is. Go do what you want to do somewhere else with people who are going the direction you want to go. But that's one of the challenges is a lot of people in the church are not living like Jesus. So people come in here like, man, I don't really got to follow Jesus. I'm just trying to find somebody. And this is great pickings. But man, what if we held our standard a little higher? And we were like, oh, you're not, your lifestyle doesn't match the lifestyle of Jesus? I'm good. I'm good. It just ends there. All right, cool. So how do we proceed from here? When you're talking about your approach to relationships, I would say point number two is you need to recognize the God-given value in each person and treat them accordingly. When we're talking about approaching relationships in a healthy manner, the first thing is we need to pray for God to guide us in our relationships, right? We need his guidance in the selection process, in navigating it all. We need to consistently be praying for him to guide us. But the second thing is we need to recognize, in order for those relationships to be healthy, we need to recognize the God-given value in other people. There is intrinsic value in each person's life just because they are created by God. And this goes for your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friend, the person you don't know sitting two rows from you. They are God's child. God created them, loves them, has a purpose for their life. And you will have much more vibrant, healthy relationships the more you treat people that way. 
How many of us are treating people according to the way God looks at them as opposed to just how we look at them? Because we will look at people's preferences, political stances, come on. All types of things come up with all types of judgments in our hearts and then not love them. And division is happening all throughout the church, all throughout the body of Christ, left side, right side, mass, no mass, vaccine, no vaccine, division everywhere. Do you think God is saying, you know what? Do not associate with anybody who disagrees with you on political stances. Do you think anybody know a scripture where God says that? No, in fact, in uh, Philippians 2, 3, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others, say others, others. as more important than yourselves. Does he, dis- does he differentiate between who others is there? Did he say others who fill in the blank? No. Others who think like you think, believe like you believe? No, just val- and treat other people as if they're more important than you are. That's revolutionary. But that's what the kingdom of God is. It's totally counterculture. Treat people as if they are valuable because they are. And if you don't, your relationships will suffer immensely. Some of us are having terrible relationships in our lives because we don't value other people. We expect everybody to get on our program, our plan, think like we think, they gotta move how we move, do what we say, agree with everything that we believe, and if we don't, we don't consider them valuable. If they don't, we don't consider them valuable. That's not what God's saying here. He's saying to value people. What would just this congregation look like if each and every person valued each and every person like they are God's child? We were talking about this earlier and Cecil mentioned, some of y'all know Cecil. We were talking about this and he said, yeah, bro, it's like, uh, it's like if somebody else's kids are at your house, you don't just go like beating their kids, right? You don't just go correcting their kids. You talk to the parent because that's their kid. So you don't disrespect their child. You don't address the child. You don't react to the child, right? You don't get down there and say, Billy, if you don't stop this right now with their parent right here. But how many of us are addressing God's children, our brothers and sisters and not addressing him? And God is saying here, Look, this is how I honor you. He says, those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Last, third point. First, we want to pray for God to guide us in our relationships. The second point is we need to recognize the God-given value in each person and treat them accordingly. Last, we need to focus on serving Focus on serving in each relationship you have. Pastor Johnson and Summer said this in their message this past weekend. 
They said, there's no marriage that has, uh, that's approached divorce where both people were waking up each day saying, what can I do to serve you? How can I make your day better? In the same way, your relationships will thrive the more you learn how to serve. This is totally counter to how we typically operate because we spend most of our lives serving ourselves. As children, we don't serve our parents for real. Like we expect them to serve us, which is kind of crazy. But it's like, man, get me this, buy me this, do this for me, pick me up from school. Don't even appreciate it, whatever it is. But we grow up seeking ourselves being satisfied. And then we get into situations where that doesn't work so well. How many, at least I saw 7% of people are married in here. How many of you guys know seeking just your own satisfaction isn't healthy for a marriage? Has anybody, has anybody found that out? Somebody's peeking their head up a little bit. Somebody needs to, thank you, I appreciate that. Somebody's figured it out. If you married in here and you haven't figured that out, you're welcome. Tonight was enough. That, was, that right there was worth the whole thing. If you haven't figured out that marriage works better with two people serving each other, you're blessed just now for hearing that. Jesus says, love one another deeply in Romans 12:10 as brothers and sisters, take the lead in honoring one another. So that doesn't mean you wait on everybody else to serve you. I'll treat them how they treat me. I'll respond. I'll meet, I'll match their energy. How many of y'all matching energy out here? Stop it. Set the tone. You set the tone in your life. You set the tone for your relationships. Take the lead in honoring one another. That has never gone bad for anybody. And when I say gone bad, I don't mean that everybody responds the way that you want them to. But what did you really lose? in honoring somebody. I can't think of a time you lose in honoring somebody, especially when God is saying he exalts those who humble themselves. In Matthew 20, 25 through 28, Jesus is talking to his disciples. It says, Jesus called them over and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I would say the number one enemy to any relationship is selfishness. This is why Jesus is outlining this for us. It's not just for, to give us something random to do. Like, yeah, go, I just wanna flip everything on its head. Go serve each other and let's see how this works out. He's saying, no, this is how things are gonna thrive. This is how, this is how the kingdom of God is supposed to operate. Man, when everybody takes the posture of serving the other person, that is a beautiful place. Every relationship thrives like that. But selfishness is defined this way. Selfish means lacking consideration for others, concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure. Selfishness never really got anybody anywhere. 
but many of us are sticking to it. And it's a new motto. It's being perpetuated as all types of things. Self-care, self-love. Immerse yourself in it. Take care of you. But the reality is, I think one of the primary reasons we stick so hard to these things is that we don't believe we'll be taken care of if we don't do it ourselves. And so outside of following Jesus, outside of being in a relationship with him, it makes sense. Take care of yourself because who else is going to do it? But when you're a follower of Christ who says those who humble themselves will be exalted, I'll take care of you. When you seek to serve Jesus, serve the people around him to the point that he died on a cross. Why? Because he knew that God would take care of him. That's why. That's the anchor he had, regardless of what happens here. Even if I get crucified, I know that you'll take care of me. That was his posture. And so I want to close here. First scripture that I mentioned, the one that I really felt like God put on my heart, Romans 12, 4 through 5, says, Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We can't keep going throughout this life not connected with each other, not having healthy relationships. God created you for a reason. God has a purpose for your life. God wants to do something with your life, in your life, and the majority of what he's gonna do is gonna take place in relationships. So it's so important that we have a healthy approach to this. The places that he wants to take you, the doors that he's going to open, the way that he's going to impact you, the way that he's going to have you impact other people, it all happens through relationships. People you meet in church, people you meet on the job, people you meet at the gas station, people you meet all different types of places. And if you have a healthy approach to relationships, being guided by God in your relationships, valuing each person, like God loves them, focusing on serving people, you will be a force to be reckoned with for the kingdom of God. Because what can stand against you? Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say, I'm gonna build up a bunch of individual lives and they're gonna do well. He said, I'm gonna build my church. That's many people. That's what's said here. Many members, one body, connected, one vision, one direction, one path, moving in the same direction, advancing his kingdom. He said he's going to build that and we would have healthy, vibrant relationships in the midst of that when we learn to love one another as we love ourselves. That's what he taught us when he, when he washed the disciples' feet and said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Jesus was just passing through. You and I are just passing through. What are you going to do with this time? Are you going to spend it consumed and anxious because you're only thinking about you and all the potential outcomes for you and all potential discomfort for you? Or are you going to say, you know what? Beginning of Romans 12 tells me that I can offer myself as a living sacrifice before God to serve who he wants me to serve to give everything that I have. Some of us are holding back, being shy, holding things back that God has put in us for fear of how it might make other, other people uncomfortable. 
when God actually wants to use it to bless people for his glory. Some of us are not holding things back. Some of us are not disciplining ourselves. Some of us are not putting our flesh into submission and that is negatively impacting other people. But when you start thinking about the impact of your life on other people, that's when God is really able to use you. But when it's all about me, God is so limited in what he's able to do through you because you don't get it yet. But God is calling us to thrive as one body. And so I wanna read this last passage of scripture. It's a, it's a few verses down in Romans 12. He, he, he talks about what this really looks like for us to live this out. He says, let love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, take the lead in honoring one another, do not lack diligence in zeal, be fervent in the spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer, share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, instead associate with the humble, do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. I want you to stand to your feet. And I wanna pray for us because I know this is really, 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 really important if we will actually take this and live this out. So if you feel like you've been struggling a little bit in the area of relationships, I want every eye closed. I want you to take some time to evaluate in this moment. How have I been doing in this area? How have I been doing with relationships? Have I been praying that God would guide me? Have I been following his leadership when it comes to relationships? Have I been valuing others? like God wants me to value them? And have I been focused on serving? If you're saying, man, I need help in one of these areas, I just want you to lift your hand. Say, I need help. I need God to help me. His hands lifted all over this place. If that's you right now, I, I wanna pray for you. Father, I thank you for this moment, Lord. I thank you for every hand that was lifted, God. Lord, I thank you for every single person in here acknowledging that they want to follow you and have your best for their lives. Lord, I thank you for every person in here who's saying, you know what, I'm willing to serve. 
I'm willing to be a vessel for God. I'm willing to impact other people for his glory because I'm not even here long. So Lord, use me, have your way. Sometimes that's gonna require a sacrifice. Sometimes that's gonna require being treated in a way that I didn't wanna be treated in that moment. But Lord, you hold us all in your hand. Lord, you see every moment, you will wipe every tear. Lord, you will restore, you will reward, you will exalt those who humble themselves. So Lord, help us to live this out. Lord, help us to have healthy relationships in our lives. Lord, for each and every single person who's saying, you know what? I need to unyoke myself from somebody. Lord, I pray that you will give them the courage and the strength to do it. Lord, I pray that you will confirm it in their lives. Because as soon as we walk out of here, the devil's gonna try to undo what God has already spoken. But Lord, I thank you that you have kingdom purpose, kingdom plans for each and every one of our lives, Lord. And everything that we let go for you, Lord, you, you restore a hundredfold. That's what your word says. So Lord, help us to lay it down at your feet, knowing that you have the best in store for us. Some of us need to focus on serving others and not being so selfish and self-centered. Lord, help us, Lord. Some of us, it's all we know. Lord, help us, God. Help us to focus on your will and reflect your heart for others. Lord, I pray that you will transform us from the inside out to help us to be more like you, Lord. And I pray that this congregation of people will be full of vibrant, healthy relationships. I pray that we will value each other, that we will love each other, that we will be led by your spirit in our decisions. In Jesus' name. And if you're in here and you're saying, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, I wanna invite you in this moment, if you're saying, I want to follow Jesus, I want what he has for my life. I wanna invite you in this moment uh, to make that decision, to make that official. God sent his son. He said not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And the Bible says that God gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus Christ came to earth. He lived a perfect life died on a Roman cross as the punishment for our sins, rose up out of the grave and is alive forevermore. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, says that he holds the keys of death and the grave in his hands. He says that he holds the keys to open doors that no one can shut, to shut what no one can open. He holds all power, all authority. He has the name that's above every name that could be spoken. And if you're saying, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ, I wanna follow him. I wanna live like him, I wanna walk like him. If that's you in this place with every eye closed, I want you to slip your hand up. Now I see a couple hands slipped up, but I probably shouldn't have said slip up. I want you to lift your hand like you really mean it. As a declaration, now hands are going up. I want you to make this a moment. This is, it's, it's 920 on a Tuesday night in August in 2021, and this could be a difference maker in your life. This could be the moment where it all changed. This could be the moment where you never looked back. This could be the moment where you took on new life, washed clean by the blood of Jesus, where you experience the power of the Holy Spirit, where you hear the voice of God. This could be that moment. For every hand lifted, I want you to pray this prayer earnestly to God. 
knowing that this is the beginning of a journey. This isn't, it's not just a decision you make and you go on and live life however you want it to live. This is the beginning of a journey following him. And we're gonna do this alongside you. If that's you, if you just lifted your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you came to earth, that you died for my sins, that you resurrected, and that you have the power of life in your hands. I believe that you have the authority to forgive my sins, and I receive your forgiveness. I turn from my old way of doing life. I'm not gonna be my guide anymore. I'm taking your yoke upon me. I'm gonna follow you for the rest of my life. I'm giving it all to you, Jesus. And I'm going to yoke myself with your people, with your church, and going to live out the purpose you created me for, to glorify your name and to live a vibrant, abundant life. You can have my heart in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.